Hey, everybody, we are here to tell you about a cool new feature on the website that we would love for you to check out. Head to howtosplitatoaster.com and check out the bottom of the page. You'll find a box floating there that says, quote, ask Seth and Pete, close quote. This box is magical. You just type a question in there and the robots behind the scenes will search the actual audio of our entire library of past episodes and not only give you a short answer to your question, but point you to the specific episodes where we discussed your topic so you can listen yourself. At this point, we're just testing it. To know if this feature should be a permanent feature on the website, we need your help. For that, we need you to ask a lot of questions. So head to howtosplitatoaster.com and click the box, Ask Seth and Pete. The robots will do the rest. On with the show. Hello and welcome to How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships from True Story FM. Today on the show... Are you going to let your toaster drag you up Mount Valentine? Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Seth Nelson, and as always, I'm here with my good friend Pete Wright. Today, we're talking about the day. You know the one, that one special day that all the ads remind you to dote on your special someone. It's Valentine's Day. But what happens when you run into your first Valentine's Day after divorce or separation? To help us along this week, we asked you to share your stories of post-Valentine's Day experience. Plus, we have a guest. Kaylee Agren from our own firm is here to share her experience of getting over Mount Valentine. Kaylee, you should be billing hours in helping clients, but instead you're here. Welcome to the toaster. Uh-oh. Uh, thanks for having me. Hi, Kaylee. Welcome <laughs> to the show. We are a, uh, I gather you've been set up as our uh, Valentine's Day expert witness. I am an expert, yes. Yes, outstanding, outstanding. Well, this is a this is kind of a fun day. First of all, uh, it, it, we are talking about a lot of uh, input. We've got a lot of input from people. We asked the, the Internet, and the Internet responded uh, with stories of first Valentine's Day's post-separation. Uh, and so, oh dear, do we have things to talk about. Uh, you have your own story. We are talking about all things related to post-divorce romance. I want to make sure we set the stage up front, though, that this is not a conversation that has to be specifically characterized as a Valentine's Day episode. We have a couple of folks who have written in saying, you know what, I had given up on Valentine's Day long before my divorce, and so, but but there were other days that were equally hard or harder uh, after my divorce that, that were emotionally charged. So I, I think that can be a, a foundation for our conversation, emotionally charged days. That make Is that fair? Yeah, it's every single day for the entire year after you finally get yeah, divorced. Right. So pretty much pick, pick a it. day. 365 days to choose It's my from. first right. Tuesday post-divorce. Oh, dear. <laughs> All right, but we're going to start with Kaylee in her first Valentine's Day post-divorce. So, Kaylee, you got to give us the setup a little bit. 
How long were you been divorced? How soon was Valentine's Day? Where were you living? Any romance in your life we need to know about, which you never share at the office? You just tell me about. I am known for all my romance <laughs> stories. That is that is true. Seth is chair dancing right now as he's talking about he's, this story. Um, yes, what are you I, doing? I don't have much romance, but I have a very very good story. Okay, what's your story? All right, background is I was living in Birmingham, Alabama. I had a two-year-old. She's now seven. So this was a couple years ago. Um, shortly thereafter, my divorce was finalized. And my brother, who is he was living in Tampa, still living in Tampa, surprised me, flew up to Birmingham, which is middle of nowhere. So you have to take a small plane, rent a car, all this kind of stuff, and picked me up from work. And took me to the most famous spot in Birmingham, Alabama. It's called Saw's Barbecue. There's four <laughs> tables. It's a tiny little brick house, four tables. You get a plate of grits and then collards on top and then pulled pork on top and then white barbecue sauce on top. And he took me out to Saw's Barbecue to celebrate Valentine's Day together. Well, that's adorable. I have so many questions. And they start with white barbecue sauce. I live in a part of the country that does not in, that, that does not celebrate barbecue sauce any other color than shades of, you know, red. What is, a, what is white barbecue sauce and how is that romantic? In the South, your barbecue spots are known based on your color of barbecue sauce. So, Pete, here's the deal. Can you see my mind being blown right now on our call? Yeah, I'm going to put it in terms you understand. You thought, as an adult, the only thing that you got to pick to eat or drink by color was wine, <laughs> white or red. We're now expanding your horizons that that now also applies to barbecue sauce. Okay? And you should know some things about pairing, right? It's a little not cool to say, I'll have red barbecue sauce and white wine. Oh, okay? you would never do that. Or yeah. white barbecue sauce and red wine. You should never mm -hmm. do that. Okay. Do you have white barbecue sauce and white wine? I wouldn't advise it. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't have to take my advice and counsel. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Which basically is all yeah, of our right. clients. Okay. <laughs> not don't taking our well, advice not and counsel. Food. Okay. Uh, that is a fantastic story. And I am, uh, that's a lovely story. And it's, it's a way to, I, I, I don't know, did that, does that help? Did it help to actually celebrate the day, uh, even though it was with family? It does. My mom says that days are days. So you assign the meaning to any day. So I chose to assign that meaning to celebrating my family. And it was a wonderful day. That's a, that is a, lovely. And I think it, it characterizes a lot of the feedback that we got on this. But, you know, I forgot to, to mention also, lest we forget, Seth is also uh, post-divorce. What was your first Valentine's Day? Okay, so Kaylee's, I think, is five stars. If we're yeah, going, we're going to rate all of these, these on a five-star star scale. Absolutely. She's okay, five. five stars. If there's a way to get a negative <laughs> star rating, that's what I'm about to share. Okay? This is the most unromantic thing that you could do on your first post-divorce Valentine's. I played poker at a poker room. <sighs> See, not romantic. Now, to Kaylee's point, you assign a day a day in whatever you decide. But here's why I played poker. Now, you can say this is rationalization. You can say it's brilliant. You can say I'm just making this shit up. Would you like me to say all that now before the story? Because I, <laughs> I, I bet I could nail it. 
when you're going through a divorce and you're going through an emotional time, one of the things, and we've talked about this before, Pete, I will have clients switch from talking about parenting to doing math because it stops the emotional side of your brain and gets the other side of your brain working and it shuts down the emotions. Poker to me is all about reading people and doing math and looking at the cards. So it was a way for me not to worry about Valentine's Day. And so I just went and played cards. Okay, I buy that. I buy that. Like two truths and a lie. I do want to lean in. I do want to lean in on making this shit up at some point during this show, but I'm going to give you that one. Um, I My question is this. Have you, have you both been able to reclaim Valentine's Day? Like, do you have a, a, a romantic vibe now after uh, the, that first divorce? Does that still exist for you or is the day kind of, you know, reprogrammed? Kaylee, you go first. I'm not a particularly romantic person. However, I do celebrate Galentine's and I had a Galentine's Day dinner last night and I have a Galentine's tonight. Talk about get, assigning the day its own meaning. There's Galentine's like multi-day Galentine's celebration. Multi-day Galentine's. So last night I had Galentine's with one group of girlfriends. Tonight I have Galentine's <laughs> with another group of girlfriends. <laughs> And it's every guy's wish to be invited to Galentine's. <laughs> Let me be very clear right. on that. Like, it's like, all I want for Christmas is to be invited to Galentine's to a, to in a, a couple months. To a four-day Galentine's bender? Yeah. Is that really what you're talking right. about? Yeah. So I've never thought of Valentine's Day as romantic, but for all the single people out there or married people out there or in relationship people listening... I will just tell you what I used to do on Valentine's Day. It played very well. I would send my significant other or spouse flowers the day before Valentine's Day. Couple reasons. One, she wasn't waiting around all day at Valentine's Day at the office wondering if I forgot to send flowers. Two, I made them big. And so she got to enjoy them all day long. And three, it kind of set the tone for the rest of the office where the women in the office, let's just say, were like, oh, look at what she got. Let's see if my guy did anything or if my girl sent me anything. Okay. So that's how I would always play it. I'm not big into Valentine's. My fiance is not big into Valentine's. We have a rule. No Valentine's Day's gifts. Last year, she broke the rule. She said she didn't break the rule because she was supporting a local artist. So I'm going to describe to you what she gave me. I'm, I'm holding it in my hand now, and I'm going to show it to you guys. It is a blue, kind of like a paperweight size, ceramic heart. And in red on the top, it says, I fucking love you. <laughs> it's like one of the candy hearts. Yeah. It's a giant candy it, heart. It's, it's a giant candy heart. Right, right. Yeah. For Valentine's Day, like you get in the little packet. That's not the best part, because when you turn it over, it says, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see yeah. Valentine's Day is not that yeah. big of a deal with real, us. Real sentimental type. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, you know, Susie. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah, I got it on brand. <laughs> All right. Should we get to these stories, though, Pete? Yeah. Let's let's start with uh, I'm going to kind of do these out of order. Um, you know, we, we had one person write in and say, uh, you know, I just decided to pour all of the love that I had into my kids and spoil them with gifts. I, I love that message. Like just, you know, again, talk about reprogramming the day. Uh, that that seems to be a, a, a nice 
nod to celebrating this thing that is culturally resonant for many of us and also not having to look at it as a as a time for sorrow. Uh, Shannon said, I went through a very quiet day, and quite frankly, I was glad for it. No flowers, no chocolates or drama. It was the gift I needed at the time, leaving the situation that was best for my mental health. That's getting five stars from me, especially the, or no flowers, no chocolates, or drama. Because there's so much drama that goes around with this stuff about what did you get? Did you get? Is it making reservations? The florists are freaking crazy because, you you know, they're driving all over town, right? Yeah. My thing is, I have, if I'm sad, I always get myself stuff. Do you ever treat yourself? Oh, Kaylee does. <laughs> oh, I love the idea of treating yourself. I also love the idea of treating yourself with Seth's credit card. So maybe that will come up on Monday. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. There's all this stuff that's like, a firm expense, <laughs> you know, and uh, uh, the only thing I'm thankful about that firm expense, Pete, is they'll say, thanks, Uncle Seth, as opposed to grandpa, <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> According to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, approximately 10% of children live with a parent with an alcohol use disorder. This is an alarming statistic as a family law professional who deals with custody cases regularly. Finding the balance between the child's safety and helping the child maintain a relationship with both parents is one of the hardest things to navigate. Add in the he said, she said phenomenon that happens with divorcing couples who often weaponize alcohol use against one another, and the situation is even more difficult. All of this is why Soberlink has been one of the most important tools for my clients dealing with these issues. Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring tool has helped over 500,000 people prove their sobriety and provide peace of mind regarding the child's safety. Soberlink helps keep the focus on the best interest of the child, which is really the most important part in a divorce case dealing with children. I've teamed up with Soberlink to create a parenting plan guide to help people going through divorce that involves alcohol in children. And you can download it today at Soberlink.com slash toaster. And if you take a look and you think you're ready to order Soberlink, just mention how to split a toaster for $50 off their device price. Our thanks to Soberlink for sponsoring How to Split a Toaster. Uh, we have Lucinda Boo, who wrote in, My first Valentine's Day after divorce was a total disaster. To follow up, that was almost that was over 40 years ago now, and I found a great love, and we've been married for almost 37 years. So there is definitely a happy ending in here. P.S. As an old lady, I've learned a few things, and the first and foremost advice I have for those lovely young women in this world is to stand up, stand tall, and smile. You're a beauty inside and out. I like to laugh about the past and love the now and hope for the future. Laugh about the past, love the now, and hope the fu- for the future. There you go. That's got to be some five-star advice right there. 
Five stars for me, Kaylee. Yes. Also sounds like she might enjoy Galentine's as well. It does sound like that. I, I love that we have someone who's written in and still remembers the total disaster that was, I say in heavy quotes, that her first Valentine's Day post-divorce. And I think that gets to the, you know, we talk about cultural resonance of this day. Like, there, there is just something about it. There's so much weight that so many people put on this particular day that it becomes hard to forget when it goes south. But also, I think this adds something else that we don't think about is when you're 40 years down the road, what would you tell yourself 40 years earlier? Right? Yeah. It sounds to me like it was a disaster. But looking back, look at where she is now. Like, it wasn't that big of a deal compared to there's a happy story ending here. And that's what I'm focused on the now, not the past moving through the future. And I think that's a that's a good message Mm. there. What advice would you give yourself 40 years ago about your love life. I was listening to a comedian about this. I was actually just talking to a friend of mine about it. And the comedian said, well, women would say, you know, you're beautiful, stand tall, all this great advice that, you know, uh, Lucinda Boo just gave. And the comedian said, a guy would say, bet on the Lakers in four (laughs) on this date and take all of that money and put it in something called Bitcoin. Okay. (laughs) Oh, for me, it's definitely, I mean, I was, I was nine and that advice would be don't give Jenna Lear that locket on track day. It's going to end badly. (laughs) So, all right. Wait a minute. What was her name? (laughs) No, you don't get that again. You want to hear the name? You got to listen to the show. All right. Uh, David Patcher writes in, on my first Valentine's Day after my divorce, I sent flowers to friends and dropped gifts off with single friends. Valentine's Day, like most holidays, is what most people should be doing year-round, not just one day of the year. I knew it was important to other people, so those people got to have the feeling of flowers or gifts at work, even when single. Especially when single. Always when single or coupled. We need more gifts. Give more gifts to people. We need more gifts yeah, in this if world. Anything, we need more free stuff and flowers. <laughs> On Seth's credit card. On Seth's, On Seth's credit card. Uncle Seth. Courtesy of Uncle Seth. Which you can find in our show notes. <laughs> Uh, the next one that we have here. Yeah. Wait, wait a minute. I want to talk about this. This is five star. David's just doing a nice thing for people, right? Yeah. We can we can do more of that in the world. Kaylee, you agree? He assigned his meaning to it, and that was celebrating friendship. Yes, he did. I think that's I, I think that's really great. And I you know I, I my wife does this on on birthdays too. She makes a big deal about making food and taking it to people like muffins or cookies or soup. She makes soups for people with meatballs, homemade meatballs, and she'll take big Tupperwares of soup to people and just say happy birthday. And I I love that. I've never been good at it. And it is aspirational to me. And I love that I am married to her because I kind of get off uh, on her coattails. There you go. Because you get the thank you card, too. <laughs> yeah, well, it's implied. <laughs> Kaylee's from the South. The gift is never complete till you send a thank you note. Just oh, let it know. That's a rule. See, aspirational. I'm in the Pacific Northwest, and that's that's not a thing that is 
so tried and true. All right, Chris writes in, I tried to look at this from a few different angles. In doing so, I found an apology letter written to my friends after my separation, divorce for all intents and purposes. It was here that I realized the greatest lesson for me in approaching a new relationship, let alone anything like a romantic holiday such as Valentine's Day. It doesn't matter who you adore if you cannot be real with yourself and real with them. In the truest form of the cliche, I realized that I could not love someone else fully until I was able to find forgiveness in myself and address the honesty of who I was and who I chose to be and do it out loud. Sadly, this isn't a really funny anecdote for the new lover on Valentine's Day. I say lover intentionally singular here as it is the responsibility for each half of a couple to realize this. One cannot have any aha moments or nor epiphanies for another person. But I can say I had an affair. I messed up. If you're okay with moving forward, I am eager to do this but I am not perfect. All I can do is be honest about who I was because hiding it helps no one. And then Chris went on to uh, to uh, give us the letter, which uh, he wrote as an apology to his micro community of friends and family about uh, the hurt that he has uh, caused for them through his own infidelity leading to his separation. You know, Pete, we've talked about this before. When people are real, those are always my favorite guests and favorite stories. Yeah, It's not the Facebook life, the Instagram life. This is the real shit that people deal with. And being able to look yourself in the mirror and say, this is what I did. These were my choices. It's not anything that happened to me, anyone else did to me. These are the choices that I made. How do I become a better person? How do I get past it in my own life? And being able to put it on paper, say it out loud, apologize to people. And then it's up to them to accept it or not. But you've done your job. If they never accept it, they never accept it. That can no longer be on you. And it lifts a weight. It's freaking brilliant. Kaylee, what do you think? Kaylee's perfect, right? Imperfect. So I can't relate. So you don't have these. You've never had to deal with this. (laughs) Yeah. I think um, like being vulnerable is so brave and that's being the best friend the truest version of yourself is when you're vulnerable i like it it's hard and and harder still to write this for a podcast and so uh, uh, special thanks really to chris it's uh, it's to do it out loud and out loud in a public forum like this is is a a brave thing to do um admitting that it was not a great thing to do to the infidelity in the first place uh so uh, that's a that's a powerful story and a great way to celebrate, you know, that day by being honest. And as much as I appreciate him writing in and sharing it with our listeners, that usually infidelity is a symptom of something else wrong in the relationship. Right. So right. I appreciate he took the ownership in that part. There's a lot of other stuff always happening. But Chris, thanks for writing in. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being vulnerable and honest. And being real. Well, and I, I'll, I'll say, I, you know, we didn't quote from the letter, but I think this is an important lesson. Um, he writes, almost five years ago, I was very unhappy in my marriage. And instead of having a few difficult conversations, I avoided them. Instead, I set along a very destructive path of having an affair. It was my escape, although I was in pain. And although I was in pain, I did the wrong thing. It was never my intention to hurt X nor you, our friends. I was selfish and confused and angry. But there is no excusing away my behavior. I behaved and for that, I am truly sorry. But as you said, there were other things leading to the unhappiness, right? To the fact that the marriage was in trouble. 
this was a symptom of it and a dark one. It's a common thing that happens when people are in these difficult times, having that difficult conversation, it's easier, in quotes, to blow it up, to do something that you know is going to blow it up. Yeah, right. Right, and deal with putting the pieces back together later than it is to have the conversation. That's how it feels at the moment. So you're not alone, Chris. I, I see this all the time. B writes in, first of all, I love this topic. What a cool one to take on. And secondly, so wise to ask folks what it was like for them. I'm sure you'll walk in with much better perspective. Always leads to better questions. <laughs> I like reading intros like that because it makes us sound smart. <laughs> uh, B continues. The weird answer for me is that V-Day of 2003, my first after my former spouse and I split, was my first date with my current wife. How cool is that? That is cool. I'm glad to share the story, but it might not be the one that heads quite where you intended to go, except for this part. It was a lot to process alone. The grief of it no longer being my former spouse there, at least to some degree, and fear and excitement of trying again with someone new on that very charged night. For me, my first birthday, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year had much more punch on the grief side. Valentine's Day was the rebirth. Awesome. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's all I have to say to it. It's awesome. That's pretty cool. That is a whole lot packed in there, though, Pete. And the fact that just dating. Yeah. Like, you can't help it. Your first date after you're divorced, you are just comparing what the person sitting across from you at table is doing versus the person you've been sitting across the table for for however many years you were married and dating before that. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, it's so appreciative they actually put their napkin on their lap before the food arrives. <laughs> uh, so appreciative they, they don't eat with their hands. <laughs> right, you know, there's so many things like that that happen. Or, oh, you ordered fish. The other person would never order fish. It's just like, there's all these little things that just rush into your mind. Now, Pete, you've been happily married for many years. You've never had these experiences. But they are real and they happen all the time. Because when you're with someone, you know how they're going to order their salad. You know how they like their coffee. And if you don't know Pete, you should figure that shit out quick <laughs> on how your wife likes her coffee. Okay? You know? But maybe bring it to her in bed on Valentine's Day. So just a couple hints here. My my wife is the kind of person who makes a full pot of coffee and then takes the pot with her with a cup as just keeps it like holstered always. I literally have to, I, this morning, I had to go out on the back deck to find the coffee pot. She took it with her. I don't need to bring her coffee. She's doing just fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, what else do we have? Okay, Sandy uh, wrote in, very weird subject. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Pete. The last one was, first of all, I love this yeah. topic. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Very weird subject, says All Sandy. right, Sandy, I'll listen. Probably not specific to Valentine's Day. It's not a day that is hyper-elevated to worth going on some journey for. All right, so Sandy's not thrilled with Valentine's Day in the first place. Mm -mm. However, post-divorce, my two favorite story events revolve around sex. Can't say that I'd want my name attached as I'm still working on looking respectable in most places. Sandy is not her real name. Story number one. The man, likely on the spectrum, who I only dated briefly, who stopped frozen mid-sex play when I happened to say, smack my ass... And that devolves into a whole discussion about his conflict because he had high government security clearance coming up for renewal. You wouldn't believe how that ended. And now, of course, all I want to know is how that ended. Of course. But let me tell you, 
Kaylee is very uncomfortable with this types of conversations. <laughs> I make inappropriate jokes just to watch her blush. And I've been pissed off about COVID because she wears a mask. So I don't get the full effect. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> no, she's not. Look at her feet. As she's I read that story, in I her think chair. I watched her swallow her own tongue for a minute there. As she bowed out. <laughs> so that was the first story. I so I I think the the reason I included this, and I know it she Sandy does not talk about this specifically as a Valentine story, is that I do there's something I love so much about these submissions that she thought it was worth including them as like a sex positive foray back into life as as somebody who's dating again. And I think that, you know, personally, I think that's gotta be important, right? And I haven't even gotten to number two yet. All right, get to number two, then we'll swing back and talk about it. Number two, I went to a swingers club in Washington. <laughs> no, you see how I said swing yeah, back because I was a little... I got that, that joke now? as oh, I was you. reading it, and I was proud of you just then. <laughs> I went to a swingers club in Washington post-divorce to check out the scene. Wasn't looking for an orgy so much as a sex-positive flirty validation experience. I told my one of my friends, just in case I should go missing, that she ins- and she insisted I text immediately afterward to verify I was safe. That was a trip. Didn't hook up with anyone, but I danced a bit with others, definitely flirted, had my ass cheek tasered with this electric wand stick being promoted. Oh, and did attend a fascinating rope-tying bondage instructional class. Wild. Probably not exactly what you're looking for, especially if you're looking for lessons learned uh, and overcoming the odds. But I always thought they'd be excellent stories. (laughs) Okay. Can we at least use this as a jumping-off point for a sex-positive re-entry into the dating scene? Where do you stand? Well, first off, I was going to go with the only potentially PG-rated version of this story with the positive flirty validation experience. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't think that was going to lead to an electric (laughs) wand stick. So let me ask you, have you ever been tasered, Seth? In Yo, a, bro, don't in a taser romantic, me. <laughs> uh, context, I mean, a romantic context. Uh, you know, the answer to that is simply no. Okay. Um, I have never been tasered in any context, romantic or otherwise. Yeah, okay? that sounds like something an attorney and would say. And because Kaylee gets really embarrassed about this type of stuff, and I can tell when she's lying, we're not going to ask Safe. her that question. I don't know what it is, and I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but back to the point. This is, uh, I think, a. Uh, I think this is ultimately a positive story. It. I really like this as a celebration of whatever your kink is. Right. Get, get out there and explore. Right. It's okay to do it in a safe capacity. There's no judgment here. Absolutely. And um, going to bring this back to the law, believe it or not, Pete, because people in court all the time will say, "Well, that's not normal." And. In psychology, there's a range of human behavior that falls into a very wide range of what people do. And if you're outside of the range, then it might not be normal, but that's just not how psychology works or how they view things. So, um, and I think we had a guest once that said, yeah, the people that are out there protesting against stuff, that's the stuff they're doing behind closed doors, right? So, um, no, I really appreciate uh, Sandy, who is not really Sandy, sending in these stories because we're accepting everyone has their own 
gig, whatever they like to do. And as long as it's consenting adults, we don't have an issue. Kaylee, are you okay? Yeah, I've recovered. Um, and I agree. And it sounds like Sandy um, is very happy. <laughs> yes, yeah, it sounds okay. like, like that. It sounds like that. Yeah. All right. And you know, Kaylee, like Kaylee's over there, like smoking a cigarette. Okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Kaylee, there's no smoking in the office. Okay. I'm vaping. <laughs> uh, this is a this is a good subject. I'm glad we did this. I'm glad. Uh, thank you, everybody, for writing in and sharing these stories. It, these, these are uh, terrific stories. And, uh, you know, I, I I think it is worth this day, even though this episode is going live, I think, a day or two after the uh, the actual day itself to reflect a little bit on, you know, uh, how you are celebrating channeling your romantic energies this fine year after your divorce what do you think seth you done are we done we good i really appreciate everyone writing everything in send in other stories we'd love to have them on the show send in your questions um we really like all of our listener participation so keep them coming keep them coming kaylee thank you you are an an able guest today we appreciate you thank you for letting me have my five minutes of fame You, you can you can have five minutes more some other time you're, you're fantastic. You can come back and talk about anything you want. You know, if you want me to take over, I'm available. Yeah, that's fine. He's very busy. It's the Kaylee and Pete show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. On behalf of Kaylee Ogren and Seth Nelson, America's favorite divorce attorney, I'm Pete Wright. And we'll catch you next week right here on How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships. Seth Nelson is an attorney with Nelson Coster Family Law and Mediation with offices in Tampa, Florida. While we may be discussing family law topics, How to Split a Toaster is not intended to, nor is it providing legal advice. Every situation is different. If you have specific questions regarding your situation, please seek your own legal counsel with an attorney licensed to practice law in your jurisdiction. Pete Wright is not an attorney or employee of Nelson Coster. Seth Nelson is licensed to practice law in Florida.